Are you the front woman saying let's put a festival on at Hyde Park? Yes. Party in the Park, Hyde Park happened. A hundred thousand people came into Hyde Park. Wow. I stood up and I leant over to him and I went, don't you fucking dare say that to me. This could be really successful. You've just got to have the courage to see it through. How much was Prince for that gig? I, I, I wasn't privy, but I, I think it was around the million at Mil, the time. Yeah, yeah. Say, a lot yeah, of money. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, I can't do this. I can't stay in this great job because this man is I'm, I'm, he's right creep. Yeah. He, he was probably in his 30s. I was 16, you know. What's his name? <laughs> I'm looking out, everyone. Never grant. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I was testing you there. <laughs> Welcome to the Eventful Lives podcast. I'm your host, Dodge, and I'm the founder of Bournemouth Sevens, the world's largest sport and music festival. On this podcast, I speak to fascinating people who have all lived eventful lives. If you haven't already, do us a favour, press the follow button and check us out at Dodge Woodall on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube, where we've now had over 80 million views. Jill T is an entrepreneur and a festival owner who has been in the game for over 30 years. She talks about her time as a radio DJ for Capital FM in the 90s and the roller coaster ride of running Black Deer Music Festival. Jill's a proper character. This is the eventful life of Miss Jill T. Jill, welcome to the show. <laughs> it's lovely to be here. Yeah, it's a real pleasure to have you down here. I've heard lots about you, Jill, um, over the years. Um, let's roll all the way back. Where did you grow up? How and, far? Yeah, we're going to roll all the way back, aren't we? <laughs> it's a long way, it's a long, way. it's a long way. Let's roll all the way back. And uh, where did you grow up and how did you get into the events and festival world? Ooh. Right, where should we go? Should we go... Yeah, where did you grow where up? Where did I grow up and... Yeah, where did you grow up and how? And what's your journey to get into this, uh, the events and the festival world? Um, I grew up... I was born in Blackheath. Uh, at home, uh, I had two older brothers, mum and dad, dog. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when I was four, we moved to a council estate in South East London called Abbey Wood. And that was where I grew up. I grew up um, in a, a council house with two amazing parents and lovely family, lovely brothers, and um, learned a hell of a lot during that period of time in my life. How was childhood for you? Did you have a good childhood? I I had an amazing childhood. I had two older brothers who... Um, I was quite a tough little girl. Like, my mum used to try and put me in little dresses and I wanted to be in jeans and hang out with my brothers who never wanted me to hang out with them unless I was helping them to um, show that they they were kind of tough and had a, 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 a little sister that could fight their younger brothers because there mm. wasn't a lot of girls around. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there was yeah, a lot yeah. of boys. Yeah. Well, South East London's a tough place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you don't realise that until you come away from it. Yeah. And then you realise, actually, yeah. I grew up in the best place ever for, for grounding for me yeah. as a person, yeah. to have a broad mind about, you know, everyone is equally as important yeah. as each other, you know? Yeah. And the, ed- the education you get on a council estate to me, it served me well over yeah. the years. So yeah. I've got nothing in me other than absolutely loved the fact that I was brought up on an estate with yeah. 
kids from all kinds of places. With a great community of people looking amazing, after each other. Amazing community, yeah. amazing time. As I said, my brothers used to, you know, love to. I was I was five years younger than my next brother up, yeah. Steve, and then there was my brother Chris, and he was uh, seven years older, and. Uh, yeah, I used to be the little person that they'd go, right, come and then you can come out with us if you get in the boxing ring with yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quality. <laughs> so there but, I was, yeah. this little girl yeah. who used to, because I always wanted to be with my yeah. brothers, but they, you know, they're but older brothers. But you know what, it's interesting, you look back at those times and those times of proper community builds character. Unbelievable. Yeah. And, you know, I used to, as a kid, I always, I've always hated anyone who bullied anyone. Yeah. It's always been my thing as a little girl. I was the same. And uh, if I was in school, I was quite a bright, intelligent young girl. And yeah. I used to get picked for the plays. Yeah. And I used to, you know, fortunately be re reasonably popular with yeah. all the other kids. And um, the kids that no one wanted to sit next to because they come from the families that, you know, wasn't really looked after yeah. very well, or they come from the local um, encampment, yeah. you know, and, but I used to love those kids. Yeah. So I used to go, they can sit next to me. Yeah. So I used to help them read yeah. and things like that. And that that was something in me. If, if there was the kid that was overweight or anything, like that, I'd hate anyone being horrible to yeah. anyone because I was taught those values. Yeah. As a, as a young girl yeah. from my parents, mm. so it it was my it was my way yeah. all back then. But I take that from being with loving parents, mm. and um, yeah, and I unfortunately or did terribly. <laughs> I can't put into words what happened, but um, but my brother Chris, uh, my eldest brother. He used to play music, he used to um, be a guitar, you know, play guitar, musical instruments. He could turn his hand to anything, you know. He was a brilliant, brilliant young man, 19 years old, very handsome young man. And all his mates used to come around our house, play music. So from, from, from whenever I could remember, there was always people playing music around yeah, our house. Yeah. And it was all the whole kind of uh, Americana music that you, um, country music. Yeah. Marty Robbins, old country music mm. artist that he used to play. Um, and, you know, Bob Dylan was playing. You know, so I grew up in this in this environment where there was lots of music playing. And when my brother Chris was 19, he was murdered. He was stabbed to death. You're joking, mate. No, and I was 12. Where, where, years where old in Woolwich. In Woolwich. In Woolwich. Unprovoked attack. Unprovoked or? attack. He was out with his mates on a Friday night. Um, it was really weird because <laughs> as a little twelve, as a twelve-year-old girl, you, you kind of your brother asks you to do something for him, and you'll yeah. go, "Oh, I'm not doing that. Run yeah. upstairs." So in that, the night he left, he said, "Jill, run upstairs and get me a pencil." And I immediately ran upstairs and got my pencil. Come down, and he had a new suede jacket on, and me and my mum was just going, "Oh, you look really handsome mm. in your new jacket." Mm. You know, he was a real handsome. Yeah young man and she and I watched him leave watched him because there was a road that went opposite our house mm. um, and we watched him till he disappeared and we both were saying oh doesn't he look lovely mm. you know and I woke up the next day and mum said Chris hasn't come home and he always came home and so um, 
obviously everyone was thinking, where's Chris gone? My mum's gone. Maybe he went to London with people we don't know. And, mm. you know, it was all thinking of stories yeah. why Chris wouldn't, hadn't come home. And um, then my brother Steve went round to his friend's house, his usual friend's house, and, and said, um, you know, uh, has anyone seen Chris? And nobody had seen him and he wasn't around their houses. And then he and my sister-in-law, my lovely sister-in-law Angie, they were were driving around in their cars and then they heard on the radio that somebody had been killed in Woolwich. He got hold of my dad. Me and my mum are just at home waiting to hear mm. where Chris is, you know. Um, and then he... Um, got in touch with my dad, they went up to the police station and it was my brother. Mm. Um, so I will never forget the timings all those years ago, it was so many years ago, but um, we sat. Did they find out, did they find the person yeah, who done we, it? Yeah, we, we, we sat there that night and my dad just come in the door and he said, Chris is dead. And then our life, yeah, yeah. <laughs> our life changed beyond measure yeah. I mean beyond measure it was all in the news of the world the next day mm. and it was and it was just I can't begin to to tell you or to tell anyone that one moment in somebody that somebody inflicts that damage it the ripples go on yeah. for years yeah. and years and years my mum never really fully recovered from it you know she was on tranquilizers and She's still around now, your mum? No, my mum no, passed away. And, 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 you know, mum and dad came to terms with it. I think that's the only thing you could ever say it is, you know. It's uh, it's not something that anyone gets over. A parent, mm. you know, when you become a parent yourself, you realise even more. It was, it was, it was horrendous for me um, and my brother Steve, who they used to, you know... I used to wake up to them up fighting, wrestling yeah. each other, and, and Steve would tease Chris, and then they'd yeah. end up bundling and yeah. be downstairs as yeah. two brothers. That was like family life, mm. our noise in our house. It was silent. It became silent. And, um, you know, I, 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 was, I never laughed for a while because it felt wrong to laugh. Pain. Because the yeah. pain that was going on at yeah. home and... You know, you try to live a life as a young girl um, where you feel like that you, you you want it okay again. Mm. You, you you want it to be okay. And, you know, I used to go home from school and, you know, mum wasn't able to function. She always loving, always did everything she could. But the pain that she was in yeah. was, was horrendous. And, you know, I used to come home from school and put a sleeping ta uh, put a tranquilizers down the toilet and flush yeah. it and say, please, can we just be, please, can we be okay again? Yeah. And um, I developed bulimia mm. before nobody talked about it. I, I don't what think the name year, what was What sort of year are we talking, we're roughly? Talking late, the 80s? No, 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 no. We're talking late 60s. Right, okay. Yeah, I've I'm, I'm been around. I've got to say, you look well. <laughs> I'm just getting my numbers muddled up here, Jill. <laughs> I've, been, I've been around a long time. No, 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 I've been around a so long time. So did that, obviously that must have, no one wants to ever bury their children. No. And for your mum and dad, that must have been the, the worst thing ever. Did that pain carry on into, all the way until your mum passed? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but in different measures, you know. Yeah, okay. My mum was a loving mum. She was always a loving mum, and as was my dad. They're incredible people, and 
but how can that pain go yeah. away? It never go, it never leaves because there's a massive gap in your lives, all our lives. But my mum's, you know. Did they ever find dead. out the person who yes. did it? Yes. Yeah. They. They. Um, and how long did he get? Fifteen years. It doesn't seem long enough. Fifteen does it? years. And he done what seven and a half? Well, it's really weird. Someone was telling me they knew what had happened. I didn't. I blocked. You didn't want to hear. I didn't yeah. want to hear. Yeah. But years and years later, somebody said he died in prison. Um, whether that happened or not, I've yeah. got no idea. Do you know the name of him? Yes, I do. Um, What's his name? But I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to okay. say his name. Okay. Um, but it was, yeah. And and everything about me is. I, I would love to talk to young people. I do it through what I, well, the work I do with Superjam. I work with kids that have fallen through. Yeah education and stuff are part of you know festival which I'll yeah. talk about later um, but but telling one kid that one act what you do when you're a young person when out of some ridiculous reasoning yeah. he was on drugs the guy he was like heavily on drugs and but shatters worlds yeah. and you can never you can never begin to understand yeah. what that does not only, not only to yourself because you've actually gonna if you get punished for it that's going to change your world and your family's world so your brother chris was 19 when this happened yeah how old was the guy who i think he was 21. so these sort of things just for listeners out there these sort of things can happen on a saturday night somewhere yeah. someone bumps friday into night you it was a friday night and yeah. it's happening all around the country and yeah. lives can change overnight yeah. for not just the victim it's the victim's family yes. everyone surrounding that ripple effect it changes worlds mm. it changes lives it really really does was there a, was there a point where, where where were you in your life obviously this was going on when you were 12 whatever when was it when you sort of what age were you when you said right i actually want to get into the events world <laughs> i wasn't was even remotely, remotely? Um, okay so i at 13 i met my future husband i met he was three and a half years older than me. We're going back a long way. So mm. it was kind of like 13 and a half, <laughs> 16 yeah. and a half. Yeah. It wasn't sort of, you know, yeah. nearly 17. It was nearly 17. Um, it wasn't frowned upon. He had a motorbike and he was very excited. <laughs> and I was kind of like, you know, this person had paid attention. Yeah. He was very handsome. And it yeah. all became, I, I was the sort of girl that, you know, I was a bit rebellious at school because I naturally was quite, cheeky yeah. <laughs> cheeky yeah. to yeah, the yeah, teachers yeah. and all that sort of stuff yeah. anyway but through what happened with Chris you become that changes who you are a yeah. bit as well so um so I met my future husband and um he was he was great because he I could have gone down a really dark mm. pathway of drugs and because it was accessible yeah. you know even at 13 mm. on a council estate it's everywhere, you, it's everywhere yeah, you course, know yeah. so I could have gone down yeah that route and there was little bits of me that mm. used to kind of you know I used to take some of my mum's tranquilizers mm. and take them out sometimes and take them just because I it helped me to kind of escape um but he was very anti that and so although he was he come from a really sort of you know poor family but he kind of didn't like that anything like that so anyway we become <laughs> this couple uh, I, I grew up really, really quickly. So I, we become this couple that started to see each other, and then we saw each other every night. Yeah. And then um, at, at sixteen, he asked me to get engaged, and we got engaged. And then we start, <laughs> we started to save up to get married, because I wanted to get out of 
the council estate yeah. and I wanted to have something different Quit. in my life. Yeah. So I wanted to grow as a yeah. person. So um, I've always been a quite an organised little person. So I used to save we used to save money and I used to take it off of it and put yeah. it in the bank and all that kind <laughs> yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. He was a bit of a nightmare with all of yeah. that. He'd work r real grafter, mm. but you know, so I used to go oh, put it all in, put it in my little book yeah. and put, put it in the savings yeah. account and stuff like that. And um, so I, I the, 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 the feeling was then you were saving up to get married. So I got, you know, I, I left school at 16 and got my first job. Um, I, I was really, really good at bookkeeping and I could type really quickly and all of that kind of stuff. All, I was, I sort of excelled at that kind of thing. So my first job I got was in, um, I think it was called Burn Depth or something, was it? But, but I was this, an assistant to the manager there and I thought, oh my God, mm. good, great money, saving up to get married. Thought this is like I've, I've made it here, you know. I've got this great job anyway. <laughs> within within about three days, I used to have long hair right the way down <laughs> to my, my yeah. butt, yeah. Um, and I, I started this job. I loved it. I thought it was great. And then my boss kept trying to say the filing cabinet was over there. His desk was there. I'd be at the filing cabinet. There was all this space in between. <laughs> And suddenly I'd find my boss brushing past me while I was filing. And, I, you know, you're 16 yeah, and you think, what, yeah. what, why are you doing that? Yeah. And I kept, you know, I was always taught as a kid, don't ever grass. Mm. You, you never mm. grass anyone up, ever. You know, so my brothers used to do. That's number one rule. Number no one rule. Never yeah. grass anyone up. And, and so, you know, my brothers used to put me on the back of motorbikes against their mm. friends who were on the, with their little brother on the back of the motorbikes. Yeah. Don't tell them, you never tell. Yeah. I never told anyone anything. So I was totally, yeah. totally that kind of person. So I kept thinking, oh, oh, maybe it was just, maybe I've just imagined this. And then the next time it was stroking my hair. And I just thought, oh, I can't do this. I can't stay in this mm. great job because this man mm. is, I'm, I'm, he's right creep. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was probably in his 30s, I was 16, you know. What's his name? <laughs> I'm looking out, everyone. I've never grasped. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I was testing you there. <laughs> Don't ever ask me to grasp. I'm not doing it. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. So, anyway, I remember going, I said to my dad, I, I didn't say to my boyfriend at the time, I said to my dad, Dad, like, I'm, I'm going to leave this job. And he said, why? And I told him, and he went, right. I went, Dad, please, yeah. if you... Please don't do anything. I will just leave the job. Yeah. Let me just leave the job. I don't want any trouble, blah, blah, blah. And he, my dad respected what I'd asked okay. for, but he was so fuming, 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 fuming. But I don't know if my dad went and did anything yeah. without me knowing, but he never told me that. And I felt that he'd respected what mm. I said. So I left that job. Mm. So then I went and got a job as a dental nurse. And I loved it. Mm. I was in a little surgery in a, this lovely Dr. Shah, who was the dentist and his wife and family lived above. I was the little dentist. I had a whole surgery to myself. Mm. I got it all organized. It was immaculately clean. It all looked lovely. And I worked really hard. The pay was absolutely diabolical. I can't mm. even remember. It was like 18 pounds a yeah. week or something. Yeah. And I worked there for 18 months while saving up to get married. Mm. <laughs> it sounds really weird at 16, 17, mm. saving up to get married. But that's what happened then. It was totally normal. Yeah, yeah. So I was saving up to get married, never got a pay rise. I used to go in there Saturdays, work Thursday nights, you yeah. know, absolutely loved with all my heart mm. what I did, you mm. know, really loved it. And I just thought, 
I never get a pay rise. I'm saving it to get married. So I decided to go and look for another job. I got another job, um, which was more money, like good money, um, as a dental nurse because mm. I love the people. Mm. I love being with people. Yeah, I like the kids. I like you know. I, I like yeah. old people. I like yeah. anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like nice, them if they're it? a bit grumpy and yeah. I can make a, make them smile yeah, and yeah. give a spark to someone yeah. you know it's just always mm. I've always been that kind of kid and so um so I said to Dr Shah I'm I'm leaving <clears throat> and he said Jill what, what do you mean you're leaving I said because I'm saving up to get married Dr Shah and I this is this money is just not not enough so he offered straight on the spot to double mm. my salary and bearing in mind, I'm a young girl, and yeah. that, that doubled salary was more than what my new job was going to be. And I said to him, Dr. Shah, you'd have only had to give me yeah. a raise yeah. when it was appropriate to do it. And I said, I would have been here till forever. Yeah. I said, but no, I'm really sorry. Well I'm, I'm leaving. <clears throat> and that is a pivotal moment in knowing who I am mm. about treating people. Yeah whoever would work for me in the future that was my little life lesson because i didn't like it that i wasn't shown appreciation it didn't feel right when you work so hard you need to have you need to be shown that you're appreciated and it's not about money it's even if he'd have said to me joe i I want to give you more money but the surgery is whatever no money it was kind of just no acknowledgement so that was my little pivotal moment, yeah? So anyway, I went on, we saved up, and we managed to buy um, a flat that was just outside of Abbey Wood. So it, it was kind of in a lovely park just on the edge of the, some countryside. Where's, where's Abbey Wood? It's in southeast London. So, so you've, got, you've got Woolwich, Plumpstead, yeah, then okay. you had Abbey Wood. Okay. But then you had, <clears throat> you started getting into Kent, Bexley, yeah. Village, you know, all. so it's all kind of like edges yeah. towards the nicer bits, which mm. at the time was like... Bexley, Bexley Village, Welling, yeah. Bexley Heath, all those areas were nice. So anyway, we ended up buying a buying a flat on a mortgage and there we were. And then I was still working at the dentist and then we decided to start a business. My husband's really, really good at building. And so I used to do all of the background stuff, mm. you know, as well as working. I mm. used to do all the st- set up. When was the it when you got excited to get into events? No, but that's what that's what I'm getting on to. Oh, that was because that, was a period we you got, went, okay. no, but yeah. that's when I started realizing that I I kind of couldn't do business and yeah. things, you know. Anyway, so but but I but so business was what we was doing yeah. then, yeah. not events. Yeah. So what happened then is that I I had two children my two beautiful kids Lovely. Christy and Reese, and like you know super proud yeah. to be a mum um we we ended up the business be- become really successful so I was ending up doing POE de- dealing with the banks 60 yeah. people were employed by us you know we was only young what in our 20s business? it was building building, building business company. Okay. building company yeah, yeah, yeah. we ended up moving our house into beautiful house in the countryside Lovely. I was 24 mm. And we had a beautiful home uh, surrounded by fields. The kids were running around in the countryside. Yeah. So at 20, uh, I was 28, 28, 27, 28. And I said to my, I was thinking, I don't really enjoy the building industry. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I liked that the business was in really good shape. Yeah. We had an office. We brought some business premises as well on mortgages, yeah. obviously. Everything yeah. was on mortgages then. Um, and I just felt the business is in great shape now. 
you know, we've got some people work, working for us in the office, da 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 da. I can I can kind of feel maybe because I was able to do that and look after my yeah. children, so it yeah, all worked perfect. really well for me. Yeah. So it was like great. So I said to my mum, who used to be amazing and look after the kids whenever we needed to, and I said, Mum, Mum, if I found myself a little part-time job in London doing something different, would you look after the kids for the two days? Mm. Are we properly, like, come in? And she went, of course I will. So what I did, <laughs> I got out the yellow... Pa- I used to love Covent Garden. Oh. So I used to go there with my mates. Everyone I'd, loves Covent, don't oh they? Oh, my God, yeah. I absolutely yeah. loved it. So, so for me, like, every other Friday night... Yeah. We'd have a night out, I'd go out with the girls and yeah. we'd just like have the best time. Yeah. And because I, you know, was a reasonably attractive yeah. young woman and um, Sh- Sherry, was, who was a friend of mine, we used to go, we used to club hop because all the bouncers knew us and yeah, they'd go, come on girls, in you come. Quality. We'd be in Stringfellas, yeah. Blitz Club. Yeah. I mean, we, we was everywhere. Yeah. And we just used to go, oh, we got fed up in it and we yeah. hopped to the next one. <laughs> We never had to pay anywhere, and, yeah. and, and we we become friends because we were both quite short, yeah. you know, we're not very tall. Yeah. All the long leggy blondes were sort of there, and then there we and we were quite cheeky, yeah. and, and and so we'd get in everywhere, and so it was great. I, I used to love the buzz, mm. and my friend Sherry, she she was what we talking the eighties here, eighties nineties. Uh, that was eighties. That was okay. eighteen blah, 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 eighty-six. Okay. Tramps, eighty-six. Yeah, yeah, string yeah. fellows. I, I, I got um the the, the uh, Peter String yeah. <laughs> invited me to do. A, I'm not going to say, it. but anyway. <laughs> no, 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 I don't grasp. Right, okay. So, but but it was kind of an era when there was such a buzz everywhere. Life was so exciting. That was great, wasn't it? Okay, so I got the yellow pages out. Pages, yellow pages. Now we're talking yeah. yellow pages, and I decided to look. I'd, for some reason, I decided thirty was the number. Mm. Thirty was the number of the letters that I was going to write mm. to whatever I felt like. It felt like suddenly I had this weird, exciting new thing I was going to go on yeah. in my next little part of my little yeah. journey. Yeah. So I, I so I, so, so, so I picked up all these places. I, I'd never been to the theatre, mm. but I thought, well, I quite like like thought of a theatre. Then um, music promoters, so yeah. I wrote to Harvey's office. I didn't even know who bloody, I didn't know who I was writing Harvey. to. Harvey. Goldsmith. Yeah. So, it, you know, and then there was all these different things. So all things I thought, uh, and then there was uh, agents, music agents and things like that. I love music, yeah. but I, I kind of thought, oh, it was a bit of a, anyway, wrote this letter. And in this letter, I've still got this letter to today. I've still got it. And it goes, Dear Sir or Madam, my name's Jill. I'm 28. I've got two children. I've run businesses. I can do this, this, this. I can type 100 words a minute. I can bookkeep and blah, 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 blah. I put, I'm willing to work a month free of charge to show you what I can do. I only wanted part, two days part-time, so I made that very clear. Yeah. Two days because I, I love being a mum. Yeah. <laughs> so I read yeah. all this, this ridiculous letter. Um, and I put, yeah, I'm willing to work month of charge, added to which I make a lovely cup of tea, exclamation <laughs> mark. <laughs> and so I, I got, I, I, I printed it out and sent it off. The 30 letters mm. <laughs> I sent off. And then three days, I got replies. Um, some saying like we loved your letter, we absolutely loved it. You made us all laugh, la 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 la. If anything comes up, hundred percent, we keep your mind. Then I got a phone call 
I actually afterwards got lots of response phone calls and opportunities to mm. go for interviews. But I got this one phone call and it was a, a guy who had just become the general manager of the Duke of York Theatre in St. Martin's Lane. And he was looking for a part-time bookkeeper. So he said, would you like to come up for an interview? I'm thinking, shit, this is like a reality. Mm. I went, yeah, of course. And at that time, I had quite punk hair, leather <laughs> jacket on. So there I've gone up to, <laughs> I've, gone, I've gone up to very sort of banana rama looking at yeah. that point. That was my banana rama era. So I've gone, I've gone, I've gone into uh, this interview at the Duke of York's Theatre. I'd never been into a theatre. So for me, it was like, oh, what am mm. I doing? You know, this little dental nurse mum mm. being quite homey in terms of, you know, we had a great social life, but, you know, I, I, I'd not really ventured out to work in London ever before, so it felt like a big thing. Mm. Um, gone for the interview, and there was this older guy there, and uh, he was very, he was the accountant he side, and Andy was the general manager, and we chatted, and then they said to me, um, the actual theatre is owned by Capital Radio. And they said, and uh, Richard Attenborough is the chairman and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, what? Like, you know. Anyway, gone home. Next day, I got a call. You've got the job. So can you start next week? <laughs> Suddenly, I am in this unbelievable position of going to Covent Garden where I love, mm. starting a job in a theatre and doing skills that I knew I had. You know, I was confident I could do whatever it is they needed me to do. So that's it. So I started work as the the um, bookkeeper at the Duke of York Theatre. During my time there, oh, oh my God, my first, can I just tell you about my first day? Yep. Nobody in my life then, I know it's kind of unbelievable, but had ever admitted that they were gay, mm. ever. But it wasn't a thing back then in the 80s, was Well, it? no one ever no one. admitted if they were gay, because everyone kept everything... Yeah. So close to the chest. Yeah. So my first day in, in the theatre, I'm typing some uh, uh, some notes because it, I, I end up never doing any bookkeeping. Mm. I end up becoming a general assistant, doing this and doing that. I was typing some notes on my first day and a guy called Jean-Luc's walked in. He went, fucking Richard. <laughs> I'm thinking, <laughs> he's talking about him like it's his partner. And yeah. I'm thinking, oh my God, like, it, he's talking about his partner who's a man. Yeah. Honestly, that whole world opened up to me. Yeah. I, ha I was educated of the difficulties of what it's like living in the time of then. Mm. You know, obviously the things have come on so much now. But the pain, I understood so much. I got introduced at one point as my really great friend's girlfriend because his dad could never accept he was gay yeah. because he needed to have a woman on his arm yeah. one night to, it, it, yeah. stuff like that yeah. you know and and I was really and I made the most amazing friends there was you know strange interlude with Glenda Jackson um, American Buffalo of Al Pacino mm. I met these you know I'm standing there at the bar with Al Pacino <laughs> I've gone from this little person <laughs> to standing at the bar with Al Pacino <laughs> Being bribed, people wanted to bribe me, yeah. send me things saying, if you just let me try to have a glimpse of Al Pacino, I would, yeah, it's like, yeah. he, and the funny thing about Al Pacino is he's very understated. He mm. could have been serving in the local wimpy bar yeah. at the time. You know what I mean? He yeah. was, he was just like, looked all <laughs> bedraggled and these women were going nuts. So because it was owned by Capital Radio, the theatre, 
because it was um, so interlinked with capital, with Richard Attenborough, who was the, he was the chairman of capital and the theatre. They needed somebody in the radio station because the person who was doing it before um, was leaving. So they needed someone to help with the co-promotes. So any event that was going on in London or outside of London with all the UK promoters, they needed somebody who would do the radio ads for them. Not ads, they're like the live reads, mm. you know. Mm. You can pay for advertising, but this is different. This is endorsement from the radio station. Yeah. It's a partnership. So they asked if they asked Andy if they would if he would mind if I took that over. <laughs> so I yeah, certainly <laughs> I certainly yeah. went, Yeah, of course. Yeah. And so I stayed at the theatre working, but I was running all of the co promotes for Capital Radio. You know, that was when Capital was in Euston Tower. Um, there was Tarrant, Chris, um, uh, Kenny Everett. It was like a nuts of time. So I used to go up for meetings. Mm. But I got to know all the UK promoters because I used to make the, make magic for them because yeah. if I got someone to do a live read, them days Capital was so massive yeah. that it would sell their bloody concert. or It, it was incredible. If I got a breakfast announcement for them, it was incredible yeah. what happened. For, for their ticket mm, sales. Yeah. So I've become very popular with all the... And I know them to this day, the John Giddens, the Harveys, and all of them, yeah. they all know that that's what I used to yeah. do. So I was doing... For this young person, I was quite powerful yeah. in what I was doing. They sold... Capi, uh, sorry, they sold the theatre and then asked me to go up and work at Euston Tower. But it meant me being full-time. I didn't want to leave my kids. I was still loved that, that two little worlds mm. I had and enjoyed both, you know, so I was able to do that. But what happened then, the recession hit. What year are we talking? I think it was 90. Okay. The recession had hit, and, you know, at home I was un unaware, but in the building industry, my husband had taken a big knock with one of the contractors, and he was trying to climb out of it without telling me mm. the, the enormity of what was happening. And then we went out to dinner, because he seemed really, you know, so sad and so unhappy and I was I was having the best life because mm. I, I was oblivious to what was going on there and working this part-time job anyway he told me that we'd lost everything the house everything had gone because this big uh, building contractor had gone bust and then owing us lots of money blah 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 a beautiful house in the country everything sort of gone so um we worked it through it and and you know it got repossessed, everything got repossessed, but it was at the same time when Capital had asked me, please would you come more, be more involved with the radio station, develop this whole area, blah, blah, blah. So I ended up, circumstances, I spoke to my kids and my mum and dad and we all got together and said, look, you know, this is happening, we're moving out of the house, I've got this offer of the job, it's gonna help with the family. So it ended up, I ended up, I still managed to do four days a week. Mm. Um, and ended up building my career in capital. Um, I, I ended up, 10 years later, as the head of entertainment, a big department. I started the Capital Radio Cafe, that was a, a big thing yeah, at the time. That. Yeah. yeah, so that yeah, was yeah, my yeah. baby. And then in 1997... So you were there, so you, how long were you actually at Capital for? 10, 10 years, 12 years. 12 years. Tw two, uh, I was at the theatre, then Capital. And they were good times for you? Mm. It was a mix because work-wise it was great. Home life, we was trying to get back on Balance, track yeah, and okay. trying to see if we could buy a house yeah. again. Uh, it was, so there was lots of, 
And also, obviously from my husband's point of view, he was trying to rebuild the brilliant business he'd built before and it was difficult times, you know, it was difficult times, there's no getting away from it. And, but we managed to get to do what we so needed you were to helping, do. So you were helping promote events by being the key woman at Capital Radio. Yes. What sort of events were there back in those days? Oh, it was like um, madness. Um, That's the first time I met Vince Power. He walked yeah. in Capital Radio, this very quietly spoken Irish man. Um, and he was just, he was doing Finsbury Park, Madness, and, and The Flaw. So he was the promoter. He was the promoter. Putting the gigs on. Putting the gigs yeah. on. Um, as was Harvey doing stuff, yeah. you know. And so they were I the main more. faces back Danny then. Danny Batesh, yeah, okay. Bob Angus, Simon Moran, yeah. all of those Simon guys. Simon Moran's still smashing it now, isn't oh he? Oh, my God, he's incredible. Yeah. I mean, he, he's remained sort of relatively independent yeah. as well. Yeah. So that was the score. I used to promote all their stuff, but because I was able to to get the jocks to do yeah. oh god I used yeah. to go in and go oh, do, do this for us yeah. and then I'd sneak in and go yeah. oh, say that for us you know say that say that Quality. say that so, uh, so you the know. promoters looked at you as their best mates hold well, on a minute I, Jill if you not. can give us if you can get that in front of the yes. in front of the DJ get him to speak about yes. it you're going to help with our ticket sales absolutely what so nice I've become really be popular I've become really popular. Yeah. So did that give you the buzz to go, you know what, I want to just start throwing my own events? No. No, it didn't? No, I was building a career because that's where the money was for me. Okay. I mean, like, you know, I earned shed loads of money at that point. I was mm. getting bonuses, I had company car, shares, building up, I'd become concert um, manager, then I'd become head of, as I said, I'd become head of entertainment. and that At made, Capital Radio? At Capital Radio. And that was huge back in the huge day, wasn't Huge, yeah, yeah. I, I was a proper grown Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I've never earned the money that I earn at Capital in my yeah. own business, by the way, guys. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> throw that out there. <laughs> Absolute truth, real truth. So I, so I ended, <laughs> so I ended up. Um, it was nineteen ninety eight. Sorry, nineteen ninety seven. Richard Parker was the program director at Capital Radio. He'd been to, out to the states, and he'd seen this event happening. Um, in a, in in the, I think it might have been even been in Greenwich Park, but it was radio led. It was the radio stations that put the artists yeah, in okay. and created this whole big event. So yeah. he said to me, Jill, I'm, I want you to uh, um, do that for me. I want in I London. Want, I want in London. Yeah. So and we need to get a charity. So it ended up. I I then I had great relationship with the Prince's Trust with Rona. Yeah. Martin used to be head, head of events at the Prince's Trust, who who was an old capital person. Yeah. So, so we built up a great relationship anyway. So we ended up we ended up um, putting together, you know, Prince's Trust, uh, me and my department pulling together a relationship with Hyde Park. We want to do this event. So I I held that. So you were the front project. woman saying, yes. "Let's put a festival on at Hyde Park." Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was a festival, was it, was a, it was a day event. What was the name of the event? Party in the Park. Party in the Park. Party in the Park, Hyde Park. So I set about interviewing people to do the production because mm. the world building bit is, mm. wasn't my world. That mm. was, I was, you know, I was a good organiser. Yeah. I got it all together, but, yeah. but I needed a good... So I was interviewing all of those promoters. <laughs> Everyone wanted that bit of radio business. Yeah. There was the Concert Promoters Association that was way back then, yeah. which was all of the key people in in in, in our world. Yeah. Uh, our world now is was all in part of this association, and a lot of them hated the fact 
that the radio-led event, artists being um, uh, for nothing, what yeah. they they saw it for nothing, but it wasn't because it was radio promotion they yeah. got. Everything's got a balance, and uh, you know. So the radio promo to sell CDs back then, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So now, for an artist, yeah, it's for, a no-brainer. For, for an artist yeah. to get that much airplay, yeah, it's worth it. That much advertising. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to do that yeah. for the radio station? Because yeah. they're going to continue to promote you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not a one-off thing. This yeah. is like constantly. You're on there, on their roster and radar. So I, I was there when like, it changed. I was in radio when yeah. it changed. And all of a sudden, now you won't get anyone doing no, a free no, gig. No, no, no. <laughs> Yeah. No, yeah. so um, so so what happened is I interviewed <laughs> various promoters, uh-huh. and it was really weird because we're still, you know, we're going back a lot of years, yeah. twenty four years, yeah. and yeah. it's me and Rona Martin, two women, yeah. <laughs> interviewing these big guys, <laughs> and decided on uh, John Giddens solo because they'd done a lot of with the Prince's Trust in the past, and it felt like the right fit, so. That's it. Um, Organised them to become our production company. So during the time of me looking, um, being in Hyde Park, watching something build from nothing, yeah. I used to go there every day because I was I had to because we was you know part of this yeah. team of, of um, and I used to look at it build and all these different people would turn up and. Yeah. I, I loved all of them, you know, all these colourful characters and suddenly like it was all really like, I thought, oh my God, mm. this is so exciting. Mm. I loved it, I loved it, absolutely loved it. And I watched, and again, one of those little moments y- that you see and the production office seemed, not to me because I was the client, but seemed like the, the unapproachable area, the production offices, you know, and it was, you know, that was sort of a no people couldn't suppliers you had to kind of knock and it had to be very very sort of organized and there was a guy who was the toilet guy and he was waiting for an answer from the production team and you could see that they dismissed him and it was it was just like and he walked walked away with not the answer he needed because they went oh no you'll have to come back later blah 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 blah. very sharp very and i looked at it and i thought if I had a production company, yeah, I would I'd never do, do that. Yeah. I would never yeah. ever talk to anyone like yeah. that or dismiss them out of hand. Yeah. Um, anyway, this thing was going on in my head that I, c- I couldn't get it out of my head. That I thought, oh, I love. I, it excited me so much. So anyway, party in the park, Hyde Park happened. A hundred thousand people came into Hyde Park. Wow! I stood on the stage, just at the side of the stage, watching the people mm. coming in. And I've never felt, oh my God, I'm thinking, I played a part in that. And it was just such an unbelievable feeling. And this is 98? This is 98. And were you in your 30s? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's when it really got got excitement for this world. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my pivotal moment. Lovely. Watching 100,000 people, seeing a world build, and then I went, right. So. You cannot beat the buzz of putting on a festival, a big event like that. No, Fact. there's nothing in the world. Nothing, that. nothing, yeah. nothing in the Agreed. world Agreed. That, of that feeling. But once it gets you, it's terrible mm. because it is like any other drug, I suppose. Mm. That you you go, oh my god, that feeling of yeah. watching that well, but then people like coming in. And do you know what I love? Watching people enjoy themselves. Enjoy themselves. I love you seeing know? people smiles on their oh faces. God. So exciting! Yeah. Yeah. Like literally, so exciting. Yeah. So, so. I kept thinking about it, and then I went to my boss, David Mansfield, who was the chief exec of Capital, and I, I said to him, David, 
there's redundancies happening in capital because it was the time things changed during capital time it come a plc yeah. during my during my world time there yeah. um and it changed the whole dynamics of it i, I was in a great position but it was it, it wasn't the old days where yeah. you could get everything was playlists and you know uh, it was a different world so i then i then decided that i wanted to um do the world build i wanted to learn how to build the world so <laughs> i said to my boss david there's redundancies here i kind of feel like my time's up at capital and i want to go and learn how to build worlds i've got excited by that i want to learn how to do it and, and they were going what well, like, you know we've just done this and you're la 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 and and but but what was great we worked out a way and i took a redundancy pay to start my new business Happy um days. and two-year contract to continue to project manage party in the park perfect so that's so all falling into place it's so all that's, falling into that's place. all falling into place mm. and i was doing it on my own i went i got a little office in the strand mm. and it was called jewel <laughs> tea productions not very clever, but <laughs> there you go. Um, but then Deb Schilling, who was a friend of mine at Capital, she'd left Capital by then, and, and she was in sponsorship and that, and she went, yeah, you must need, you know, someone to work with you. And I went, oh, no, no, I'm doing it on my own. And she went, oh, no, 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 come on. Like, prior to that, I was asked by MCP, do you know um, Tim Parsons, Stuart Galbraith mm -hmm. at that point, um, asked if I would want to start a radio-led business as part of MCP with them. Yeah. <laughs> you went, said, go on then. <laughs> no, I went, no. Uh, okay. I said no. Did you say no? Did you I went, yeah. no, I want to do this on my own. Oh, I want to do it under my own steam. Yeah. I want to, uh, like, two years later, they sold to Clear Channel. <laughs> I, would have, I would have probably been worth quite a lot of money by now, but yeah. Anyway, I said, no, no, no. I look back at it and think, oh my God, what a twat I was. But <laughs> hey, not really. I wasn't really a twat because I I needed to go on my own journey. Yeah. So then Debs um, persuaded me it was a good idea for her to join. And we ended up, we decided to call the business something different. We got a bigger office in Baker Street. And that's where Entity came became a reality. Mm. Entity, my company, Entity Limited, started. And... Uh, with the two-year contract I had to do Party in the Park, there was money in the coffers, yeah. and with all my contacts that I had in Capital, I, we could become consultants to people. Okay. Um, Wembley Arena, I used to open up the doors for, you know, with Debs for tickets, you know, people to use them as the new ticket agency that started there. So there's lots of these nice little bits. Then I got the first proper where production. We talked ourselves into doing... Um, We'd done quite a lot of stuff over a couple of years. But then talked, uh, as, you know, ourselves for a really great fee. Ferrari Maserati would, wanted to do Eric Clapton at Brands Hatch after the show. And somehow or other, Debs and I won the contract. Big budget. Really, I've never had a budget like it, but big budget. Do you remember how much it was? Oh, God, I think it was Roughly? over a million. Was over it? a million at that time. Or two mil, uh, yeah, something, something big, yeah. something massive. Yeah, you know, it was Eric Clapton, Jules Holland after you know, after the, after the racing. Yeah. Anyway, so I knew a lot of people by then. I knew the the site managers. I knew this. I knew that. I knew that. You know, I, I'd built by then. You know, with my party in the park head on, I got to know all the contractors over the years and all that sort of stuff. So, so there, then we set about. 
putting together this event. So I knew I could organise things, put it all into place. But actually, when you're on the ground being the production person, festival director, which is what I was, okay, right, I need to get these contrasts. It all needs to work to place. I, I, we got stung so much. When I look back on what we were being charged, there was lots of people that were good, but there was others thinking, well, bloody hell, yeah. this is a good budget. Let's mm. so, so it ended up costing quite a lot of money. But, you know, Eric Clapton played. It went brilliantly. So it was all good. But what I noticed, again, it's one of those things, like what you talk about, you know, several weeks before it had been World Superbikes at Brands Hatch. And I thought, what happens after Superbikes? What happens after the racing? There was nothing that happened after the racing. So I was suddenly thinking, I had planned, formulated in my head. I thought, well, well, why don't we put something together for the World Superbikes and Brands Hatch and say, we will develop something after the racing because you've got people camping world superbikes loads of people there big after party big after party job done yeah anyway so i then spoke to a very well-known uk promoter again i'm not grassing and i asked him if he would like to invest in this idea done presents i went look this is great this is the start of something bloody brilliant this is the start of something brilliant Mm. You know, nobody's doing this kind of thing. Mm. You know, I, I could thought of a number, a, a name for it called Thunder Park. Debs and I was Brilliant. researching um, what do bikers love. They love tits and bums <laughs> and, and booze <laughs> and music. Yeah. And so we... That's an easy one, isn't Yeah, it? <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of a reality yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know, that was, that was, that's what, yeah. what, what... So, so we set about uh, developing a lap dancing club called... Uh, a mobile one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Built a ten, and I got it approved by the. I had to sit in front of the council to get approval to run this club. <laughs> Quality, <laughs> <laughs> love it. And then there was all these old blokes, and I'm sitting. I want to do this, and, blah, 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 yeah. and I'm going to. Do this. Did they approve it? <laughs> they approved it. They? I was in there a whole bloody time, three days. I couldn't <laughs> get them out of there. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> there's a load of vouchers, boys. <laughs> Fill your boots. <laughs> Literally, it was like that. So anyway, the promoter, it was all very exciting. Uh, World Superbikes loved it. You know, uh, um, uh, Brands Hatch loved it. Debs was looking at how they promote it and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, happy days we built the site. It was all very exciting. And it pissed with Mm. rain the whole time. The whole time. So it lost money. Mm. It lost money. People didn't know it was there. Some people didn't realise it was existing, but... When they came, they loved it, but it was rain, 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 rain. So the promoter said to me afterwards, I'm not doing this again. And there was there was lots involved with that, but anyway, not doing that again. Um, so I said, okay. He went, <laughs> forget what he said. We was in Starbucks. <laughs> and he's lent, he's lent over to me. He went, blue eyes, big smile. You bloody got me caught on this. Like, oh, he went to blame you, did he? There was a, yeah, okay. and then I stood up and I leant over to him and I went, "Don't you fucking dare say that to me. This could be really successful. You've just got to have the courage to see it through." Yeah. But he, he said, "No, that that cost me a flat or something at yeah. the time or whatever." And he said, "No, yeah. I'm out of it." And it ended because, and after, and and. Do uh, Cornbury Festival. Mm. Hugh Fillimore from Cornbury. He came down to Thunder Park, and it inspired him to start. He'll, he'll, he'll tell you this. He came and got engaged in what we were doing, yeah. 
and started um, Cornbury on the back of that, mm. I believe. And uh, yeah, so that ended. So that that broke up that sort of opportunity mm. that to do something. I was going to earn a fortune again. It wasn't about earning a fortune, but but obviously you want to feel like you're building yeah, something. Yeah. Always that. So yeah. um, so then we went on. Um, you know, started to get lots of different opportunities, events, you know, running for other people. Deb's decided to leave the business because she <coughs> wanted to have children and moved down to, she moved down to Bridport area, so she wanted out, so I brought her out of the business. So I decided to just continue because we'd lost a lot of our own money on Thunder Park and the business wasn't, you know, do you remember how much you lost on that? I think roughly? about 50, 40, 40, 50 grand. 40 grand. Almost like 20 grand. years ago. Yeah. yeah so it's okay. a lot of money. It's a lot of dough, yeah. Because mm. we paid everyone. Yeah. Never not pay everyone. Yeah. Never, ever. Pay I don't think first. anyone yep. in my whole career, in the whole time I've been involved in this industry, could ever say I've knocked anyone. I'm exactly the same. And I'm proud, super proud I've of that. I've got 1,500 events. And fifteen festivals. Yeah. Everyone gets paid. Everyone. Every that, single person. Everyone I'm responsible yeah, for. I can't. I can't obviously pay. Same. If the promoter has gone bust and you can't pay everyone, but anyone that I've employed Agreed. or I, I've paid them, I paid them. It, so peace of mind, though, oh, Jill. I Jesus. couldn't. I, I couldn't lay in no, bed at night knowing I'm no, chipping someone no, or I've paid someone. No. Pay everyone, and whatever you left overwards is a bonus. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah. So that kind of. Um, Ended in the way it ended, and um, I've lost my chain of thought there. Where I was, well, we're on I was on a roll yeah, there. You're, uh, you're, you're on oh, the yeah, half yeah, left. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Deb's you're left. By yourself. I'm by myself. Yeah. I've got, you know. And this is still entity business. This is entity, which is still going today. Yeah, but I'll explain yeah. how there's two entities. Yeah. So, so entity was then mine. Um, uh, Alice, who we'd employed, Alice Berry, who we'd employed when we was first at Baker Street when we started the business stayed with me so we worked together she's a brilliant girl she she still works with me on black tears so yeah. we've been together 20 odd years yeah. um and another girl w worked with me anyway i thought right okay we're on the, we're on the floor a little bit here mm. you know it's the right time deb's wanted her family and it was the right time you what know like we talking? oh god 2000 and Blech. i think she, i think it was about four years three three and a half years we were together and then when Deb's left the business, maybe 2003 that okay. was, yeah. So um, by that time though, Capital Radio, I'd, I'd handed over Hyde Park to, to internally in Capital, so they were running Hyde Park on, you know, without me involved. But then they asked me to get involved with the regional radio station events. So I ended up doing five party in the parks. Um, in different places In different the UK. places all okay. around the UK. So we become a bit of a travelling circus. You okay. go from one, set it up, drop it down, onto the next one. So it was what, in what? Brighton, uh, Cardiff, Southampton, Kent, the hop farm in Kent. Yeah. And it just, so th there was these events. So suddenly I had this great contract, yeah. you know, really, really good contract. Um, and it was brilliant. And were you being paid a fee to yes. organise these for the, on yeah. their behalf? Okay. On, the, on behalf of Capital yeah. so Radio. there's no risk I, for you? No risk for no, me this perfect. time. Um, okay. And Capital, solid... And when you look back at your career like that, do you prefer the no risk and being paid a fee, or do you like the gamble? It's a bit of me that goes, "Fucking hell, I'm going to do this. Yeah. I'm going to. I know that I can. I know this is yeah. going to. I know this is a great idea." Yeah. The thing I've never had is a good financial director with me. Okay. That's if I look back and advise anyone anything. 
get yourself a good financial person with you because that wasn't my skill set. Yeah, okay. I was good at keeping everything organised, bookkeeping, making sure everything all yeah. tallied up. I'd never leave a penny that wasn't, how did mm. I not get that right? Mm. I need to go. But really has got that financial brain. Mm. I'm the person that go out and I'm... I, Ideas, my passion, people. my passion mm. and, and and work ethic, and I, I I defy anyone to sort of say I I don't go out there and yeah. give it hundred percent, hundred and ten percent all the time. Yeah. But my skill set wasn't that side of it, and I had great opportunities throughout my career. Had I had the right financial people with me, I think there would have been a lot of there'd have been a very different path I yeah. trod. But I'm, I do not look back and regret yeah, any no. of my my pathway. No. So anyway, so we was doing these these events and it was all great. And then Reese, my son, who by then was nineteen and part uh, twenty, part of the crew. My daughter Christy, <laughs> all the family, all their mates. <laughs> Everyone used to go and work on all the job. Yeah. That's why it was such fun yeah. because it was all kind of like you know, we was having a great time, all of us. And uh, um, he said, he said, Ma, you even <laughs> there must be something else you. You've got you've got three year contract with these party in the parks, you know. I went, yeah, I know. I said, you know what really pisses me off? I like things to look lovely, and I make internally the festival look lovely, but that fencing I hate. Yeah. I said, what it is? I said it's Harris. I could only afford in the budget yeah. Harris or building site hoarding. They're all yeah. sat in the Harris blocks, and it looked ugly. And it was blue, and the fields were green, and I didn't like it. Yeah. So, I was saying that to him. So he said, well, maybe that's what we look at. So he and I set about designing a fencing solution. We couldn't, Steel Shield was the only big green yeah. fencing. You remember the yeah, big yeah. high stuff. Um, and we, th there was no way an event like that could afford to put Steel Shield mm. around it. So we had to find a solution that was in between. So we, we designed something and um, we're really happy with it. We had a prototype made up, done all the wind testing <laughs> on it. <laughs> And we called it High Horde because it was like the boxed great bit green. It looked beautiful. Um, and then what happened is we needed funding for it. So I took out a bit of a mortgage on my house um, and I went to Capital Radio, my old boss at Capital, David Mansfield. I went, David, if next year and years to come, I can provide you with a far superior fencing to what this looks like, mm. you know, that mm. below... I said, um, and I won't charge you any more. It will cost no more in the budget. It won't cost you any more. Would you front me the money for next mm. year's fencing? <laughs> Happy days. <laughs> and he said yes. Happy days. So I ended up with a chunk, a good chunk of money. We put that in the pot. Reese raised money because he had his own flat. He mortgaged his house. I mean, we're, we're, both my kids are brilliant. You know, they're, they're entrepreneurial mm. in their own right as well. Mm. And they, you know, so... Reese raised the money, I raised the money, got them a capital pot, and then we set about starting our first ever fencing, and we started a company together called Entity Hire. Mm. Um, so and basically, the money you raised, you just you 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 made you created all the stock and kept all the stock, and then rented it out to festivals. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's exactly it. Okay. And you've been doing that for how long? Uh, two thousand and four. We started that business. Okay. And it's, I, I you know, I'm super proud of Reese because obviously I set the business up with him and I've always been an ambassador for it and you know we run the business together for quite a few years and then you know Reese just sort of has flown uh, he's the managing director of, of, the, of the whole thing of a hire and it's grown into a massive 
And how many Massively successful business. How many festivals at the moment are you uh, renting the uh, fencing out for? Oh, I mean, we went on from High Hall to Steel Shield to oh, doing the whole flooring. To, I mean, we, we provide Bournemouth 7 mm. with all of your fencing. Mm. So it's kind of like um, uh, Hyde Park, uh, Finsbury Park, most of the, you know, Brilliant. Live Nation, AEG. It is a massively respected, award-winning yeah festival fencing business and we know do flooring and everything so it's it's incredible what what massive been respect achieved. to uh, you and your, your boy and your daughter <laughs> massive respect well christy decided she didn't want to go down mm. the route of, of events and mm. things because you know she wanted to make her own mark mm. so she she didn't join that business but that was recent i sort of went on to do Amazing. that well done to Peria. Yeah. And still so going, 18 years on. 18 years, years on. on. 19 years on. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, what yeah. was the point when you thought about putting on your own festival? Okay, so 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 after that, what happened was, you know, we was running that festival. I was still doing events. Da, 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 da. Entity Limited, uh, Entity Events was that business. Yeah. And then Entity High was the fencing business, yeah. running, you know, along, bobbing along nicely yeah. together in the industry. And then what happened is Vince Power, my old mate, I'd been doing some uh, stuff for him in Barclay Square. We re reignited the Barclay Square ball. Mm. And um, so I was running that for him as in my, in my events business. Um, and I also um, was doing other projects. But what happened is that, where did I go with that? Vince came to see me and said, Jill, I want to start my own festival. We'd sold, sold the Mean Fiddler yep. for quite a lot of money. And just for the listeners, explain what Mean Fiddler is. Oh, it was it, it, Mean Fiddler started as a, as a small venue in um, Holsden yep. and then grew to Reading, Leeds Festival, you know, so many festivals. They was also uh, instrumental in Glastonbury when uh, Glastonbury needed an uplift. So Vince Power um, had Melvin Ben working with him, so the two of them built an industry... Um, a, a built a business that was incredible, yeah. you know. And, and did they and did they split? Because obviously, yes. You got because at the time Festival there was public with yeah, Melvin. Yeah. Yeah. So they split. Um, that's I think when Melvin started Festival Republic and went to work with the Live Nation. Yeah. He, he built Festival Republic, done his own festival. Vince separated from all of the festival world because he he wasn't allowed to do festivals after that. Because he, he, it was he who owned the business. Um, um, you know, I think I don't know all the details, but yeah. Melvin had some shares and la la la. Yeah. Um, so, so Vince Vin was an old school promoter. Old school promoter. Yeah. Okay. Deal was on the shake, handshake. Yeah. Brilliant. No contracts Brilliant. anywhere. Yeah. Um, and he he liked me. We got on really well, and I was running his Barclay Square event, and yeah. he owned lots of restaurants by then. He brought lots of stuff, but he again. He would never lose the fact that he wanted to do a festival again. Yeah. <laughs> so How again. long did he have in his contract then? Or he wasn't allowed to compete. I, I think it was three years it was, or something. It? And yeah. then he had the itch to go, I want to start Hot yeah, Farm. Yeah, 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 Hot Farm. Mm. So he came to me. I live in Kent, so yeah. I live 20 minutes away from the Hot Farm. He said, Jill, I, I really would love you involved. I want you involved. I'm doing a, doing a new festival. And I said, where is it? And he said, the Hot Farm. And I went, Yes. Yeah, perfect. Happy day. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, the hot farm, brilliant. Yeah. And also I'd done some of the party in the parks at the mm. hot farm. So I, I knew the staff there and I knew loads of stuff going on there. And what is the hot farm? 
It's an old hop farm. It's basically what it says on the tin. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's and a, a perfect a, venue for a festival. Perfect venue for a festival. Yeah. And so that's where I ended up going to get his license for him. He wanted. They had a smaller license capacity there. He wanted to go big. I ended up. How big? Fifty thousand. He wanted fifty. He, he in his head, it was like the Reading and Leeds yeah. model. But so he ended up insisting on getting this fifty thousand. What was it before? License. I think it was 20, 20 or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's really gone for it then. Oh, he really went for it. And we had an, ended up having magist- um, um, barristers fighting it. Yeah. I was in court. Like It was like this really weird scenario where I'm trying, and nobody locally wanted it to happen. Yeah. So it was like, oh, there's going to be drug taking yeah. on that. You know, all the usual yeah. stuff. Anyway, yeah. we won the day. We got the license. Hot Farm start- started. What's this, 08? This was, oh, God. Don't ask 2000. Me Hang on. Um, Seven, I think. Oh, seven, oh, seven okay. I think. Yeah. Um, so that kicked off with not a festival, but it was Neil Young yeah. and the Mighty Boosh. The Mighty Boosh played one day and Neil Young played the second mm. day. So um, it was really, really successful. He had um, somebody who was like the, the, the festival director and I was I was the number two in yeah. it. But, you know, but then the, the festival director decided he didn't want to do it anymore. So Vince said to me, Jill, I want you to become the top person. Please come and be my festival director. So so, so you've done year one. Do you remember how many people you got in year one? 30,000. You got 30,000. Yeah, 30,000. And do you know how much money you lost? Mm. Did he break even? Oh, no. I think he earned money in that year. What, in year one? In year... I'm, I'm sure that was a good, great year. Because it was, it, was it, was, it was busy. Two days. Mighty Boosh were great. Mm. Um, I... I you know, again, I He'd was... He'd doing amazingly well if he, if he made profit year one. No, but it was a one day, it was two days, it two wasn't day. camping. So it was more of a concert It was, a one, it was more of a concert. Okay, two day concert. Yeah, okay. it wasn't a festival. Okay. Second year, it was it was a festival. Yeah. Second year was a festival, we had Bob Dylan, and the finances were great, you know, it, it was all going in the right direction. We've had Eagles there, Florence and the Magic. I mean, there was so, there's been... I do remember. I do remember Vince putting on massive show. We were like, yeah. Jesus Christ! Someone's pumping a lot of money into yeah. that. Yeah, I remember us all looking in, going, "Cool, mm. yeah, okay." But he was of the, the view. It was a two-day festival. It wasn't three days. It yeah. was two days. Yeah. He was of the, the view. The headliners would be there, and everyone will come. Mm. Then ad camping. Da, 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 da. So, you know, it went on this model, and I learned so much. Mm from somebody who had run festivals for years, good and bad. Yeah. I'd have stand-up rounds with him, you know, like, as well. I yeah. never put up with any... I've never put up with any old bollocks from yeah. any of them. Yeah. And that goes back probably to my little... Being that girl little day, girl. Yeah. <laughs> little two kid, older brothers. Two older yeah. brothers. You're not going to talk <laughs> yeah. to me like that. Yeah. And and believe you but he me... he probably liked that, Jill. He oh, probably liked you actually standing up and going, hold on a minute, Vince, I don't think that's right. No, also, he yeah. loved the way I produced things. Yeah. So everyone was happy. Mm. I cared about every single person. So, so in our production world, he was used to a much stricter regime because yeah. it was under Melvin, and yeah. you know people did it differently. Mine was like I, I had I made it all look gorgeous outside the production office. He'd invite his family round. I'd have Jean, who's my sight mum, who I took on. Sight mum, yeah, it. love it. Her <laughs> job from 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 my first. Uh, when I did all the series of Party in the Parks, she's a friend of my my um, sister-in-law, and she was talking about that she'd made tea for the local antique shop, and everyone, I'm looking at her thinking, oh my God, 
you could be somebody that would look after yeah. my crew, you yeah. know, when it, they're tired. And I said, Jean, would you like to come and try out? Because we were doing the party in the park in Kent. Mm. And she lived in sort of local. And I said, would you fancy coming and just looking after people? She went, well, what do you mean looking after? She said, I don't like technology, she said. Mm. So you, don't know, you don't have to know about technology. Just come and be you. Come and just be you. Be Jean. Mm. Anyway, she's turned up, baked a load of scones and lemon drizzle cake and all this stuff. Um, she's turned up the first day of this event I was doing and... Uh, she just looked after people. Mm. The council, sit down, love, do you want a cup of tea? Mm. When it was two o'clock in the morning, you're freezing cold and you're still trying to get that festival looking yeah. good. She'd be there, bovril on toast. Yeah, and it could, Anyway, so she's been with me for 20 years. Yeah. She's been with me at every single event. Mm. She's sight mum, everyone knows Jean. And, and people What's say to surname? me, Jean Lenahan. Lena, give her a shout out to yeah, Jean. Yeah, honestly, everyone Jean, Jean is a legend. I love her, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that name, sight mum. Sight mum. Everyone needs a sight mum. Everyone mom. needs a sight yeah. mum. And I've been talking about you should have a sight mum. Yeah. So Jean comes, come. I mean, Jean, Jean is like a. Uh, there's so many stories. She didn't know her She didn't know her ass from her with mm. technology. So what she do on the radio the first year on the radio? She go, hello, hello. Um, I've got some really nice cake here for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be walking around with the council. So I'm like, oh my God, Jean, Jean, you're not supposed to do years, that. How many years did Hop Farm last for? <laughs> five. Five years. And you were on board all five years. So oh, the yeah, first yeah, year yeah. was a concert. He turned it yeah. into a festival yeah. for four years. All the years. festival years I was with him on, okay. as a festival director. Yeah. Okay. And how was that for you? You were learning. How was it for Vince? And why didn't it last longer than five years? What happened in the year before the end... So 2012, so 2011, yeah. we was, it was going great guns. Two, two day festival, um, you know, as I said, we had massive legends playing there. It was such an honor and I learned, mm. as I said, learned so much. And then I was in Vince's office and he got a call um, from the um, manager or agent for Prince mm. who wanted to do a UK, he'd never done a festival before in the UK. So obviously Glastonbury, everyone was bidding for for that festival. So he outbid them and they they liked the idea because Vince come with the, the sort of hook of no sponsorship yeah. as a festival. A lot of people like that. Yeah. They didn't like the big glary sponsors everywhere. So Hop Farm, you know, you know, Vince a well established promoter, done so much. Lots of people really respect Vince because he's a proper music yeah, man yeah. from his heart, yeah. his soul, his music, yeah. yeah. And uh he he said to me, Jill, he can only play Sunday. And I went, Vince, take we're ten weeks No Well you wouldn't take him. No, no, no. I said no. I said we're ten weeks away from the festival. It's all selling it was selling great. Okay. Ten weeks away. Yeah. I don't know if I can get the police and the council. Or, or, you know, you, you know, when you when you're doing an event, you have to do go through so many hoops mm. with the council, local authorities, mm. tra road traffic management, blah blah blah. And I said, look, we're ten weeks away. All of our everything's been put to bed. You know, we've got everything passed. We're all good to go, and we're selling. And he said, you've got to try and get me Sunday. <laughs> so I went, okay. So anyway, next couple of days, next day or so, while he was doing his negotiating. 
I was persuading the police and the council that we to add another day. So Sunday became... Oh, so add another day you're talking? Yes, just yes, for Prince? Just because Prince could only play the Sunday. So your, your event was Friday, Friday and Saturday. Saturday. Oh, I see. So you had a Sunday spare. Man. Oh, let's whack him on Sunday. Okay. So it was the only day yeah. he could do. And Sunday was normally packing up, you know, chill yeah, out yeah. by mid... And it wasn't a bank holiday weekend. It no, was just, no, okay, no, no, no. Okay. So anyway... Ten weeks to go, it became, by the time I got the council approval and everything happening and Vince had done all his deal, it was nine weeks to go. Then the machine started to turn yeah. to say Prince is in the hot farm. I mean, yeah. Prince in mm. the hot farm. People couldn't quite believe yeah. it. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, he spent money on marketing and all of that. And it was the most incredible. And, and we pulled it all off and Prince arrived. How much was Prince for that gig? I, I I wasn't privy, but I, I think it was around the million at Mil, the time, yeah, yeah. Say, a lot yeah. of money. Yeah. I don't know the actual full yeah. amount, but it was a lot of money. Do you um, know what his rider was? Well, oh my God, I've got a funny story on the rider. One of, <laughs> so on the Saturday, <laughs> this is, this is so hilarious. Is, yeah, no, Prince's rider. Prince's rider was lots yeah. of different things, but not, I don't think, it wasn't excessive, excessive, but on the Saturday, we've got a call from his uh, team, we need to have a velvet, a, a, a purple velvet throne on. Look, we need to have that. It's require a requirement. It's Saturday night. This is Saturday night. Yeah. The event was the next day. I've rung look, the, the the guys of everyone's ringing around the phone. No one could get one. And then I've got a friend who had a lap dancing club <laughs> in the next <laughs> town, and I rang him. I went, James. There isn't, you haven't got um, anything like a like a velvet <laughs> throne. He went, like a purple by any chance. Oh. He went, no, but I've got a dark red one, but yeah. the lap dancers have been all over it. <laughs> Quality. <laughs> I went, chuck it in a van and bring it yeah. along. And so then I got it Prince's throne, which had been literally the lap dancers had been all over it the night before. And it was dark red. And it, we put it in the room that they'd said that yeah. they wanted it in and yeah. it was all cool. But yeah, so so quite a funny um, part of his rider. So When was the point where you said, I actually want to go ahead now and do my own festival? Well, <laughs> I vowed. Yeah. Can you imagine? I never want to touch a festival yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. I'm never going to do it. I could continue doing my event business of, of, you know, at that point, Debs had sort of, after Hot Farm, Debs has got a contract to do something. She was, she'd been doing a lot of freelancing stuff after she had the children. She went, oh, do, do, do you fancy getting back together again? Yeah. So I said, well, uh, you know, I'm now just doing consultancy. I'm not going to get myself in any positions of being an entrepreneur anymore. I've sort of done that and I'm not going to do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do consultancy. And I, I was consulting for Erich Estate, which is the beautiful oldest deer park in England. Yeah. I was getting nice. I was overseeing events there for them and I was doing other projects and... Deb's brought a good piece of business with her at Battersea Arena. So we decided to just join for So she'd come back into Entity. So, um, you know, we was bobbing along, earning a nice living, not setting the world alight, not doing anything particularly, you know, dangerous. Mm. And then I had a party for my daughter's um, birthday party um, at my house. Like big, you know, uh, and, and we decided to create a mini festival, yeah? By then... I've remarried. I've got a lovely husband. You know, we've got we we together. We've we've got a beautiful home yeah. together. Everything I want is is in my world, and so we had this lovely party. And then a friend of mine who 
uh, she said, oh, is that okay if I bring my cu- uh, my uncle with me? She said, he's like, he's a bit, you know, an older guy, but he said, <laughs> I should tell you, shouldn't I? But he was an elderly man, an mm. uh, older man. And she said, you know, he's not doing anything. He's coming over to visit me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course. You know, everyone's always welcome. Yeah. We're at this open house. So I started talking to him in, in later on in the afternoon. And he said to me, Jill, you used to do the hot farm, didn't you? Because he was a local man. And I said, yes, I did. And he said, uh, I, you know, loads of people love the hot farm. Absolutely loved it. La, la, la. And he said, loads of his friends went. And I said, yeah, I was super proud of, of being involved with that. So he said... Would you ever do a festival again? I went, nah, I'd never, you know, I, I'm not interested. I said, the only way I would ever do a festival again, my, I went, the only way I'd ever do a festival is... Someone um, paid for it. If it, if it, if it, <laughs> if it, if it had funding, yeah. that I had ownership over it, yeah. and it was the most beautiful place I know, an Airage Estate, because I'd been doing this consultancy mm. there. So I said, so really, that's unlikely to happen. And then we started another conversation about music. And I told him I love like the whole Americana, you know, you know Johnny Cash, that yeah. whole because that was the year I grew up with my brother mm. playing that music. It meant so much to me that mu- that 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 style of music. And and he said I love country music. And he he had a marketing company called KLP in in back in London years ago. And he was the L in KLP, massively successful. Um, and he brought Marlborough and Bud into the UK. Um, as 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 part of his business, and he went out and would, used to go on the ranches and love country music. So we started talking, and then I went, yeah, you know. And he said, Look, nobody does it really. And I went, yeah. And I, I said, you know something? I spoke to a promoter a year ago, which I did. I said, why do people? Why is there no proper festivals that have got country Americana? And they said, because it won't sell. It's not. not it, nobody's interested. It might have been two years before. And I, I then my 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 the fire started kicking. <laughs> so he, yeah. we started chatting, and then he went, "If I thought about you um, and giving you some seed money, would you be interested in looking at uh, whether it's a feasible thing to do?" <laughs> so, so I was suddenly gone from no, I'd never touch it in a million years to going, okay. Uh, well, yeah, I like the idea of that. So I said, so, I, so we've informed. The next day, I rang Debs. I went, Debs, I'm doing a festival. Are you in? Do you want to come and? And, and she went, well, What do you mean? What do you mean a festival? Like, you know, and I went because Debs hadn't worked on festivals mm-hmm. as 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 a you know. I was the hot fun years. Debs wasn't with me during that period of time, so she'd done more corporate stuff. And so she went, What? 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 Why are we doing that? I said, look, it, it, I think it's going to be good. You like that music, so let, let's see. So in four weeks, we was on a plane to Nashville. <laughs> um, somebody we knew opened up his black book. I was in Nashville, and these big board tables, the top people in Nashville, mm. walked in and went, um, I'm doing it <laughs> first. Because the only way I knew we'd get noticed is to say we're going in with high production values, not starting something yeah. down here. Yeah going large and my in my head i'm thinking bill if the if we're going to get in quick before somebody else gets in mm. we have to go in big yeah. we have to go in with a great brand and we have to do it at that level we can't start there because the big boys mm. are come in and they're swampers mm. and then we never we never have any sort of chance mm. of success so i'm sitting there me and debs and we're sitting there literally with the top people 
we went out with Glenn Campbell's agent and manager and the biggest agencies in, in Nashville. Big, like you walk in and the board table was as big as this room, mm. you know, and sitting there and going, we're going to do a festival and it's going to be this and it's going to be that. <laughs> and by then we'd, sort of, you know, thought of a name and, just, you know, it's going to be in the beauty, uh, oldest deer park in England. A lord owns it, and there's all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Quality. <laughs> Everything I knew the Americans would yeah, like. Yeah, love, yeah. <laughs> Where did the name come from? Well, the name come from the fact that we had literally, and in the entity offices, so don't forget all the fencing boys, we all like, was all working together in what, when I started the festival. A whole list of names, whole list of names everywhere. Nothing worked, nothing worked. And then we thought, well, it's a deer park. Why don't we call it something deer? Yeah. So we thought, okay, what deer, what deer? Like, anyway, went to a site meeting, come away from it, driving away. What the fuck is this name? You know, <laughs> what is the name? And suddenly I looked and there's a pub called the Black Pig. <laughs> oh my God, Black Deer. Let's mm. call it Black Deer. And that's kind of how the Black Deer started. That, that's, Brilliant. Yeah. And what year was your first year? 2018. 2018. Yeah. And what was that like? What investment did you get for year one, year two? We got, um, obviously, my first investor, Colin Lloyd. He was the first investor. Then we got um, Mark Rooney and Steve Bond. To, everyone put their private money in. When I sat in front of anyone, when Debs and I sat in front of anyone and we talked, you know, the passion, I, I, I literally, I'm terrible. Mm. I, I pull people apart. I, I move them around. Mm. I'm, my enthusiasm for yeah. what I do is like, I can't help it. And people got caught up in this spirit of what what could be, yeah. and they well, came people, down and saw people Eridge. buy into you. People yeah. buy into you from you know they go. No. Look at the energy she's got. Mm. She'll make this work. If anyone's going to make it work, that entrepreneur will make it work. So, what investment did you get? How much? Um, it ended up a lot. Go on. <laughs> I can't tell you the exact amount. Roughly. But Oh, million. It, what, millions or million year one to put on the event? No, no, no. The, the year one, because it sold tickets. So it yeah. was like the investment was about, I can't remember, 500, 600 grand maybe, maybe more. And did you, and year grand. one, how much did it cost you to put on? Um, I think it was about 1.4 or something like that. So you went for it year one. It's not like a, you've gone, you've gone high production you. value. Yeah, you've told really gone you. for it. Yeah, okay. And, and one of the selling points yeah. for us to get the artists we did when we was in Nashville yeah. was because they knew my calling card was the Hot Farm Festival because yeah. a lot of their artists. Don't forget, we played, as I say, like Neil Young, Dylan, Eagles, Prince had played, and they knew I'd produced it. Okay, so, so your they, name was linked to them. They, they, knew, they yeah, okay. felt happy that it was in safe hands for being produced. Brilliant. So that that was definitely helped us get. The artist, the caliber of like? artist. What's it like giving away a percentage of your company for someone putting in half a million quid? What's that feeling like? Well, at the beginning, you've still got a big chunk of the business. Yeah. What, you know, what percent did you give away? Um, I think Debs and I owned about 50% between, or 49% between, or 48% between. On, the, on year one? Year one, yeah, I think. Okay. Yeah. 40-something percent. But then, obviously, the next year was 2019. Again, successful, but it was still at a shortfall. It needed, yeah. it needed, needed that. So another bit of money come in on that. And that was that was a great company come in, a proper company. How much did they put in? They put in, I think, in all about a million, I think. I, I, okay. I, the figures, I'm, I'm just sort of going yeah, to round, round, round yeah. about that. So for that second year, someone put in a mil. You needed more investment to... to, to, to 
to make the business model work. Yeah. And they bought into you. What, yeah. what percentage did they They get? brought into building a brand. I yeah, set out okay. to build a brand, yeah. not just to do a festival. That I said, if we if we build this and it becomes a, the, the brand that I believe it can yeah. be, the offshoots of that, yeah, with, the, with the right, with the yeah. right nurturing and the right people around. around you, yeah, agree. That's not my bag. Yeah. I, I need clever people yeah. to come and, and and do that with me. Yeah. Our investors weren't experienced people in that kind of, they're all business people, yeah. but they weren't experienced in this. Yeah. Again, ha, you know, in, in, if you look back on things, I might have talked to people earlier who, who did have that experience, yeah. who would have been my perfect people to, to but carry then, us through. But, but, then, but you, then again, those people might not have given you that amount of money. They wouldn't have. Yeah. No, they wouldn't have. And <laughs> so they, and someone these people, who's not clued up in yeah, that world yeah. will give you more money because yeah. their world might be finance or something which is pretty boring. They're like, well, okay, I'll put some money yeah. into this because yeah. it's exciting. Yeah, and I think it's an emotion. It was an yeah. emotional buy-in. Yeah. And these people are good bloody people. Yeah. Every single person who's been involved, quality, quality people. And I've never lied to them. Yeah. I never pretended anything. I would never do that. People put their money in. I'm, this is a festival. This is what I believe is yeah. going to happen and can happen. Yeah. But Does that put you under more pressure? Massive. Yeah. Because uh, uh, you're getting and, money off someone. They're yeah. relying on you to mm. say, well, how many people are we going to get? Are we going to break even this year? Are we going to break even year five or six? Yeah. What is it going to be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're saying, well, okay, put your money in. Let's see what happens. Let's build a good brand and it will yeah. happen. Yeah. So and, I, and I said that the, the stand is like by five, year five, you, you, you sort of break even and then yeah. you grow from there. Yeah. And, and, you know, I can only talk to people about what I believe. Yeah. And, and I'm an honest, you know, I never, I, I never lied, mm. never lied to them, said this is what I believe can happen. Mm. And people invested their money and um, then we was actually good on track for 2020. It was going great guns. So you had a good, you had 2018, 2018 under, your under belt. Got new investment uh, for 2019. Awards, and then awards. 2020 come. Yeah. And then pandemic hit. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And we yeah. were seen in the industry, wow, they've got something different yeah, here. They're growing, so, this, yeah, they're growing. It's so unique. Is, this is unique. Yeah. And people that come to Black Deer, they feel the magic yeah. of it. I, I know that they do. Yeah. You know, someone just I've heard it. really good stuff oh, about it. Oh, thank you. It's and a really nice vibe, right? Yeah, and people yeah. describe it as walking into a big hug. Yeah. You know, I'm on that site from day one till the mm. day ends. And I mm. build that. That's my joy. Uh, I build campfires and we've got a pub that we've built on the site. <laughs> and, you know. If you were to explain to, a li if you explain to a listener, how would you explain Black Deer Festival? Um, How do you wrap it, 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 you wrap it's, it up? It's the culture of Americana. So you've got motorbikes, you've got, you know, great low and slow cooking. We, we've created areas that, that, that could be festivals that picked up on their own and grow. Yeah. Um, we've got, you know, Haley's Bar. Haley's Bar is the part of it. It's named after my brother, Chris Haley. Mm -hmm. And in there, we, we create, we've built a venue. We, we, we pack it up, but in there is this amazing, iconic picture of my brother, Chris, with his mates all playing guitar. Brilliant. And... It feels like it's his venue. Yeah. He's got his old guitar that my brother Steve kept. It's up on the wall mm. that comes up. It is special. Yeah. So we create environments where people feel that they belong. That community of Black Deer is is, is what's magical about mm. it. People come and they feel it. They feel the, the big hug. They know that every single person that's working on that site Cares. shows yeah. The, 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 the public face of them is because they feel valued yeah. on our festival mm. and that's what I'm super proud of, you know? Did you manage, when you lost it in 2020, obviously that's heartbreaking for all of us. Oh, yeah, yeah. What yeah. was it like? Did you get your festival underway in 2021? 
No, we. T- <laughs> what month? What month was your festival? Tw- uh, June. 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 Okay. Did you postpone it and move the date, or did you think? You yeah, just we not postponed do it? twenty to twenty twenty one. Yeah. And then we moved the festival one week to okay. because Boris had announced yeah, the, March. The, yeah. the that he was going to move it. Yeah? yeah. Yeah. So we went okay. So we rolled over again. Yeah. So we rolled over once to 21, yeah. then 21 to, to four weeks later, or three, yeah. or, or no, sorry, a week, two weeks later, week week later, yeah. to miss the deadline when he was going to pull the curfew. Yeah. So we'd have been the first one out in yeah. the blocks. We got loads of publicity around that, yeah. you know, how brave, la, 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 how foolish, you know, yeah. <laughs> lots of people had lots of opinions. Yeah. But we thought, you know, let's go for it. Let's go for it. It's got to why, end. Why did you think only move it? Because we were, we, were, we were May 20, we mm. went to cancel we actually postponed it to august 20 and obviously pandemic here it didn't happen yeah we were then may bournemouth sevens was may 21 uh, we then had to postpone it and we moved it to august bank holiday just in the hope yeah that we that could get this away it, just yeah. in the hope yeah. what made you think just move it one week well it, by then i've got a board of directors yeah. it isn't my decision yeah. i've got lots of investors in now so you become how many investors in total um 12 wow <laughs> wow, that's a lot of people to juggle. Yeah. No, yeah. no, but the actual board yeah. are made up of less numbers. But okay. it, but it become a it become if I'm really honest, it become something that that's out of almost becomes yeah. out of your hands. Yeah. You, you you you're the face of it. You started it. You work your ass off for it. But you, but it's not your festival any longer. And that's what you have to come to terms with in your head. You can't do. You can do a lot. You, you can do a lot, a lot of what you want to do still creatively and you're the face of it, but you can't make all those decisions yeah. any longer. You really can't. And that's what you take your chances with it. You know, it would be dead. If I'm really honest, it would be dead in the water without these investors. Yeah. So do you, do you continue? Um, and, and now we've got, you know, we've got a company that's come in and, a, you know, really established business, not in the music industry, but who's believed in what Black Deer could be, and they've now made it a solid business. Yeah, okay. It will, Black Deer, I believe, will continue and grow and be the brand that I visualised it would be. It's your baby, isn't it? So you 2018, 2019, nothing in 2020, nothing in 2021. Did you get No, but I was on site on 2021 because he moved it. Did you get anything in 22? Yeah, 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 yeah. We've yeah, done okay. the festival this year. Yeah. Last year. Last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Massively successful. Yeah. Really great, still shortfall. Our new investors have bridged that gap, and we're on track. We yeah. should be for 2023 yeah. to be okay. Fair play to you. Some journey, isn't it? <laughs> that is some journey, Jill. <laughs> so, a, a, as of today, tell me your, tell me, so you're, you're all gearing up now for what month? June, did you say? June the 16th. June the 16th. And 18th, yeah. 16th, 17th, 18th, uh, 2023. What? can people expect for this year for, for the festival the black deer festival they can expect just a brilliant weekend experience you know that yeah. they, they, they will come and they will feel looked after and they will enjoy it they will discover music they never knew they liked mm. that's what's great about black deer you know they really will they come away and go oh my god yeah. i've seen this artist and we nurture new talent super jam the kids i was talking about who work uh, you know the the they've fallen through the education system two guys who set up who I would love you to yeah. to interview. I, you, they need to be heard, mm. these guys. Um, 
they're part of the festival. There is so many pockets of great food. I mean, the guys that started Grill Stock are they they curate our um, our area for food. So Live Fire is all about celebrity chefs making great food. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, all yeah. these yeah. little festivals almost in their own right. Yeah. Young folk, a great area for kids. Yeah. We really care about the kids. It's not just, oh, let's put something there for the kids. Yeah. This is proper areas. Yeah. And it's all got that dusty sort of feeling that you're on, you're in somewhere different. The, the artists that come to Black Deer wanna hang out. Yeah. And stay. That's a big sign. And that's a massive sign. Yeah. And Band of Horses, who did their own video of Black Deer, um, backstage, them coming on stage and the audience, they said it's the musicians' festival. Yeah. So it's it's got. I can you know, see some why, nice Jill, thing. why people would invest in you. <laughs> I really can. I can. Really I think see they you. regret it. No, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They can do the sums, but actually, for someone to invest in you, I can really see it. You are hugely passionate, and you have. I've, we've Thank done an hour, hour, and, hour and a half of, of this. You've got a massive heart on you. <laughs> a massive heart. <laughs> and I can you. see why in the industry, why people talk about you in such a kind way. Oh, thank yeah. you so much. And I really do appreciate you coming on and telling your story. And it's, You've lived an eventful life. I, I certainly have. You have. And I, I want to <laughs> thank you for coming on, Jill. Thank you. It's, it's been, been great. A, yeah, it's been thank a pleasure. You. Thanks a lot. Thank Cheers, you. Jill. Take care. <laughs>